We are Slow Kill. Welcome to the Undergroundopolis with Rob Lyon. I'm here with Mo from Pro's Teeth. Where where are you guys from? Uh, we label, well, I'm going to label it a New Jersey band because I'm the front man and we were born in New Jersey, even though as of right now, two thirds of us are in Philly. I still count us as a New Jersey band. Right on. I kind of, I was thinking that either Wax or somebody, Wax Mechanics when he was, I think he, I thought he just said New Jersey band. Then I started checking out your music. Dig it, too, man. <laughs> Let's see here. Yeah, we're, we're always gonna. We're, I'm always gonna say New Jersey because <laughs> yeah, I, I love I love this state. Cool. How how did a uh, how did Troll Teeth come together? Um. Well, we we sort of went through like different uh, like machinations, like maybe like 2010, 2011. Me and a couple buddies started jamming. Uh, as like a punk band under the name No Sex Appeal. And then it sort of just evolved out of that. Um, like our first real consistent lineup uh, that like most of the songs on the first album was probably like 2013, 2014 with me, Will, and Ben. And then we've, we've sort of, I've kept losing guitarists, um, but we sort of settled into where we are now with, uh, me, Kyle, and uh, Pete. Which album was the first album? Was that that was that boiled a boiled alive or? That was unwanted and worthless. I so that was yeah 2014 when we when we released that. Um, the our first guitarist Ben wasn't on that album, even though me and him wrote those songs. Uh, our guitarist who came after him, Frank Berkner, had to like learn all those songs and maybe like four practices before uh, recording. Um, yeah, like we're, that's why we're redoing it this year because Ben is moving back to New Jersey. He spent the past six, how, six and a half years in West Virginia in a little town called Paw Paw, P-A-W-P-A-W. It is literally a two street town. Yeah, like the, um, like the tree, Paw Paw. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now that he's going to be up here and because we have our own studio in my basement that me and Kyle built uh, with the help of uh, my first drummer, Will, like we're going to just try and do all these songs correctly uh, that me and Ben had envisioned when we first started jamming. So they're going to be uh, a little bit um, more f- like fuller sounding because when 
like I have the raw tracks from that first album and like we went to like a legit studio and he's like, well, how do you want this stuff to turn out? And like, because we don't know any better. We're like, yeah, sure. Black Sabbath, whatever. So he was using like these really old recording techniques and like you can, you can hear it in the raw tracks. Like they're just very brittle sounding. Like there's not enough like girth or depth or, or feel um, compared to, you know, Blow It Alive or uh, Goes Nowhere Does It's Nothing. So for you personally, like what made you decide to get into music? Who, who did who would you say you saw and when and the story behind it? Like uh, you saw somebody on stage or saw somebody on TV that said, you know what, I want to do that. I want to I want to do what that guy's doing. Um, I mean, I've been doing music in, in like one fashion or another since I was a little kid because I started on violin and cello in elementary school and I sort of stuck with it until uh, high school. I went to a very small high school, so I was like the only cello player and they, they would like give me like trombone parts and stuff. So I sort of fell out with cello around the time because I was just very like you're, you're playing stuff that's not fun. You know, and um, like afterwards, I was kind of just bored in in college. Like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was seeing somebody on stage or anything like that. It's it's kind of just been there in my life, and you you sort of fall into it. You had nothing else going on. I needed I needed something to do, or else I was gonna go crazy. Is there a particular creative process that Troll Teeth uses? Me and like what we've sort of fell into now. Um, because of the pandemic, like we haven't been together in the same room, the the three of us, especially Ben, because he's still in West Virginia, he's he's moving back soon. Um, so Ben and Pete do all the riff making for guitars, um, everything sort of modular. So they they'll send you know in the the group chat all these you know ideas for riffs, and then me and Kyle work out the rhythm sections. Um, Because the first three albums, we didn't use a click. Um, We're trying to figure out how to, like, map out the songs um, in in, in the way we record so we can use a click. Because, like, when you do muscle memory, you, like, switch, like, tempos and time signatures without, without even thinking about it. Like, that's probably why we get labeled a prog band a lot, because... Like we'll go from four four to six eight, but we're in our in our heads. I, I'm not I'm not thinking one two three four one two three four five six one two three four five like that. Like we just sort of fall into it, but we're we're trying to do it a little bit um, more professional, I guess. But it's been more frustrating than I anticipated. So we're we're probably gonna end up just doing it the old way. Just getting in a room, hitting record, and just jamming it. In the description, I, I put stoner, doom stoner rock. Would would that be a correct assessment? Um, probably doom, because we're. I mean, genre is its own is its own grandfather. You could, you know, I I don't label us as rock because we're a little bit heavier. But sometimes when you say metal, people like automatically think like screaming or like yeah. You know, like they don't like I, I I put us in like more that like Uncle Acid, like Witch, like that type of metal, tuned low, slow, sort of a groove based, um, but like not because because 
like I don't I can't growl or anything like that. It's like normal singing. Um which which again, when you say metal throws people off, but probably yeah, yeah. probably just doom just cuz we play a little bit slower and longer. Yeah, I'm so careful about labeling a band, but you almost have to for people yeah. to be, oh, you know, it's like and and then people when you start saying metal and people don't realize that you know, well, you know metalcore, grindcore, and all that. <laughs> yeah, no, I love saying that we're a metal band just because, like, with coworkers or family members or friends, they're like metal, like what? And then they hear it, they're like, ah, oh, okay, I guess this is kind of heavy or whatever. Like, I just like saying we're a metal band just to like confuse people when they actually hear us, because uh, I do enjoy like sort of their reaction to it. You have a favorite show you played that you could. Tell us about like a shitty little show, but it was like uh, a band from Vermont, um, us, a band from New York City, Brooklyn, um, and then the the closer was a band from Rhode Island, or like right around the corner, like the border, Rhode Island, Massachusetts, um, and there was like a ton of people there, and like the like we just it was a cool night. Like there's, I mean. I also had like <laughs> I bombed a joke where it was like right uh right after the Eagles won the Super Bowl and because we're right outside Philly, um, they beat the Patriots, so we like we're all plugged in, I'm like on the mic, like, you know, how about the Eagles or whatever and it was just dead fucking silent <laughs> for like it felt like five fucking hours until someone from the back of the room was like, No one here watches sports Like, all right, <laughs> moving along. <laughs> and then we just went into our set, but it was it was a it was a fun night where, you know, we we sold like a ton of merch. You know, people were buying us drinks. The bands that we played with all fucking loved us because we're a bunch of weirdos and like people love hanging out with us. Like it was it was just a really fun night. Well, that's kind of bizarre. Was there no lo- local support at all? Is everybody was from other places? Yeah, I th- I think everybody on that ticket was like from out of town. And like people came to the <laughs> yeah, like a hundred, a hundred something people showed up, and it was it was I was asking them like you know what, why is there so many people here? And most of them were like, well, we don't get too many shows where like everybody's from out of town. Like we had like I think they I think the one band was closer than most because they played it regularly, but they were like yeah, like a band from Vermont, New York, New Jersey. Like why not show up? Like you guys are obviously like dedicated or you care a lot because you're, you're driving to fucking buttfuck nowhere Massachusetts to play a show like you, you gotta be like something so might as well show up well here's the counter question and probably my, one of my other favorite questions but to, tell us about your worst worst show worst performance fucking Wildwood <laughs> most people Wildwood most people always la- well most people always laugh it's like oh there's a whole lot more of those you went right to it <laughs> no man that show that like I always I always remember like the things that like annoy me or like piss me off because I I don't know why like because you kind of expect to have fun you don't expect to have like bad things happen um, but like that show um, it was like right after we released our like first EP and the dude who booked it was like hey in a couple of weeks we're doing something do you want to sign I was like oh, whatever like I didn't know then that we were going to a pizza shop. Like, we just, like, showed up, like, is this the place? It's, a like, a fucking pizza shop in Wildwood. I'm like, all right, this isn't starting off well. 
and then we walk in and like the stage is like super tiny and the PA was maybe, I don't know, I don't even want to take a guess at how many watts it was, but it was not uh, what we are typically used to, like even as we were starting out, because this is like our first year doing shows, because I had like a 300 watt bass head, Ben had a 100 watt guitar head, like we were fucking loud, um, but we played last, and the first band, uh, like they were, it was like, are you familiar with the, the Instagram um, Rigs of Dad? I don't guess so. Uh, it's, it's a great thought. It's like all these like middle-aged men with like ridiculously looking like rigs, like doing cover bands. And it's just, it's fucking hilarious. Like the, the guitars and stuff that they have to play like, you know, Sweet Home Alabama and stuff. Um, but like it was, uh, two twin brothers on guitar. The lead singer was like wearing like Jordache, like acid wash, bedazzled jeans and like a crop top shirt. Uh, their bass player had one hand. He was pretty cool though. Um, like just like the most obnoxious sound. Like they did a cover of Pink Floyd's Comfortably Numb, but it was like a metalcore cover. It was a really weird band. And then the band after them really annoyed me. Because they spent, I'm not, I am not exaggerating when I say they spent more time setting up their guitar pedals than actually playing songs. Like they had a, a Tupperware bin that they like took out and had all their wires and they very meticulously plugged everything in. It was probably each guitar player, it was two guitar players and a bass and each person had like 15, 20 pedals plugged in. And I don't think any of them stepped on their pedals while they were playing. I'm just standing there watching them do this. I'm like, these people cannot be serious right now. Like, they're <laughs> just going to do this for 20 minutes and, it's like, expect us to, like, stand here and watch them? Like, what? Um, they ended up playing, like, two songs, and then they're like, all right, we're out. Um, but when we played, the PA wasn't loud enough, and we couldn't get our amps low enough to where – like the vocals could cut through. So the the dude who booked the show was all mad at us. It's like but, but dude, like that's your equipment. Like what like that's not our fault. Like get get a better PA, man. Like what do you want what, what do you want us to do? Like I, me being a bass player, I'm just I'm so raw. Like I I might use a chorus effect that's built into my amp. But most of the time, I'm just straight, and it's like, oh, it always blows me away when I see bass players with a bunch of pedals. <laughs> I mean, like I, like I, around that time, I was doing because I had an, a an acoustic brand head, um, so I would run my fuzz pedal through the effects loop, so I could hit the drive on the head. So I would have the drive go into the fuzz just to brighten up for certain parts of the songs. But now. Um, I do have a pedal board because there's a couple things uh, I do. Um, but, like, my, my pedal board's not crazy. It's mainly for, like, you know, EQs and compression. Like, nothing like nothing wacky, you know. Like, yeah, I, can, like, I, I can see compressors and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Do you prefer the studio or the stage? Probably the studio. Because it's a little bit 
more fun because it's usually just me and Kyle experimenting with different stuff. Like with shows, I mean, we haven't done a show since I think like January of 2020. So like whenever we get back to doing shows, it's going to be weird the first couple of times. But with shows, you're kind of just not going through the motions, but you're you're playing the songs that you already know. And I, I kind of like experimenting and, and, and figuring out new ways to do stuff like, like our, like we have an EP coming out with uh wax mechanics. I think you interviewed him you know, yeah. however many days or weeks ago um, where there's a song where I'm doing slap bass just, just cause like I, we wanted to experiment with slap bass, like the, the writing process, and recording is a little bit more fun because me me and Kyle just um really like all right let's let's figure it out and then we just we just spend three four hours just trying to figure out a song I don't know I find that a little bit more fun and rewarding than you know thirty five to forty five minutes playing songs that we already know most people say the stage <laughs> no I mean I I I can understand why because you know you you want to see people happy and you know. Uh, like the, the stone eye, like they're four handsome young men. They get like panties and bras thrown at them. Like, of course they're going to love playing the stage. Like, like they are the weirdest band to play with. Cause we, we played with them the one time and like, there was like five or six, like just absolutely stunning looking women. Like, Hey, can we, can we buy you guys drinks? And like the three of us in troll team look around and like, why, why doesn't that happen to us? Like why, what just happened here? Like you, you show up and you're just handsome and you get free alcohol. Like, what is that? Why doesn't that happen to us? Do you have a a real personal song that's real personal to you? A favorite song that's like really, really personal? Boiled Alive, the 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 nine minute song, is probably like my favorite to to listen to. Just just in how it comes in, because. Like, we didn't, when we recorded it, we didn't practice it beforehand. Like, we we practiced it, because it's cut in half, basically. Um, we practiced, like, the one part a little bit. is like, all right, we'll figure it out. And then we practiced the other part a little bit, and then we're like, all right, we'll figure it out. And then we drove up to Rich and Neil's studio, because this is before we had ours. And, um, like, the day of, we're like, all right, let's fucking play it. And what ended up on the album was the, the first take, because we did two takes, and the second one we fucked up worse than the first. But like, if, if you'll hear right before the vocals come in, the drums sort of like, uh, like sort of cut out, and Kyle starts doing something different. Um, that was kind of a hiccup, but it was a happy accident, so we kept it in because um, it sounded pretty badass. So then. Uh, yeah, the first take of Bullet Alive is like the first and pretty much only time that we ever played the song in full. Well, where all have you played? Like you've been, you've mentioned a lot around the Northeast right there, and like we we've done mini tours, um, just because we all have jobs and like we take off the time when we can. Um, like we've done Canada and Massachusetts and like upstate New Jersey and Philly a lot and like sort of the surrounding areas. 
but like we've never traveled south or out west or anything like that. Um, just because we we drive everywhere. Um, whenever whenever we do touring again, um, we're gonna try and do like house shows as much as possible. Just because from experience, those are usually the most fun and most attended. Like they're huge right now. Well, yeah, they were they were. <laughs> And also with a lot of the venues closing, um, like they didn't get a ton of help from the government or their you know local towns or whatever, so a lot of places ended up closing shop. Um, so like, I mean, house house shows is pretty much what we're going to try and stick to once you know we're able to do shows again. Like there's there's a friend in New York who has like I think she's in Brooklyn or something like that. She has like a pretty big uh, backyard, and she's like asking us for help like hey um like what are we doing here like what do i need to do like a show like oh well we have a pa we kind of we kind of have everything we'd ever need we have a pa we have gigantic amps you know kyle's truck can fit pretty much anything we want um it's just a matter of finding the time and the ability to do it the songs you sent me is there stories behind those yeah, the the Blood Alive one, um, I mean, this the story was basically the first and only time that we played it is what you hear on the album. All Hands on Deck is sort of everybody's favorite of ours right now, um, and I can sort of see why because there's so many different layers to it, like, you know, with how it goes from the intro to, to the verse, and then, like, we have a really, really big, long bridge in there. We were supposed to change. We... we what you hear on again what you hear on the album is like sort of us being lazy and like well we'll just go back and change it we'll go back and change it and then we just never went back and changed the bridge it was supposed to be different i don't think we ever came up with anything better so we just sort of left it as is but everybody when they they get to the bridge part of the song is like holy shit what is this um because you know pete is uh just in insane level in, in in terms of his guitar playing so whatever me and kyle lay down rhythm wise the harmonies and the chords and the riffs that he's going to put on top of it is just going to change it completely turncoat was written before pete was in the band but um the like the lyrics and everything were written before the pandemic um but everything sort of changed after the pandemic because the, the song is about like a leader sort of lying to everybody and, you know, letting these, these red shirts on some, you know, unknown uncharted planet sort of die after telling them, yeah, we're going to help you. Um, so it's sort of taking on new meaning uh, since the pandemic happened, because I mean, look at our government. If you could open for anybody, who would it be? Monoboard, because I've sort of developed this weird Instagram friendship with their bassist. <laughs> like, like I just, like we just text back and forth on Instagram. Like he he posts a lot of weird stuff in his stories, and I just I annoy the shit out of him. <laughs> so Bono Lord, uh, let's talk about the split if you can. You might I don't know you, you might want not want to the split coming up with Box Mechanics. I mean I'm an open book. I don't care. Like, uh, what do you want to know about it? Uh, I just want to know about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. I think back in maybe December or January, Stephen um, of Stone Eye, who also runs 
Electric Towns was like, hey, do you want to do a split EP? I was like, all right, yeah, sure, whatever. And me and Wax have sort of been annoying the shit out of each other on social media, just like playing around. And this past Sunday, we just had to do a photo shoot for it. Um, so we like finally met in person for the first time. So that was actually kind of cool. Um, Wax is like his own band. It's just him and he sort mm-hmm. of borrows people to do stuff. Um, and then it like Trolty's just the three of us sort of a marching band to nowhere. Um, annoying everybody who we encounter. Um, but we, we use this splitty P to sort of, um, experiment with some stuff that, that we don't normally do. Like, uh, the one song with slap bass and, uh, the other song, uh, we're, I tried doing a little bit more like, um, measure counting rather than, cause typically with songs, we, like if we have a riff, we'll do a cycle of the riff. So however, however long it takes to play a riff would be one cycle. And then, you know, we'll play that riff four or six times. But this one, like for the one song called Barbs on a Wire, uh, I tried just doing 16 measures rather than like, like it, we just experimented with like different ways to count inside the song. So, I mean, we just got, we actually just got the, the first, first batch of mixes back today and, um, they, they sound pretty good. Um, I'm just waiting on Kyle and Pete's approval to send it to go get mastered. Um, so like we're, we're pretty much done with the EP. Wax, I think still has like a song that he's, He's trying to finish. Um, I, th- I think he said there was like something up with the mixing, but um, yeah, we we experimented and everything sounds pretty badass on our end in terms of what we got back. Well, I can't wait to hear it. What what would be the best advice, musical advice you've ever been given? Probably just don't rush things. Like a lot of a lot of bands, like they they want to. Like, uh, cause you sort of look at the goal rather than the process. And when you, when you sort of look too far out and you think, oh, we're going to be big. Oh, we're going to be rich and famous. Like you, you're losing sight of the actual steps that it takes to get there. I've, I've like, we joke around like, oh, if we get big, if we ever end up on like relapse or if we ever like, like it's just normal conversation, but I like none of us have any realistic expectation of becoming like Iron Maiden or like the gigantic band. Like that's just not likely to happen, but we kind of keep growing in spite of our own pessimism, I guess. And it's because we're kind of just process oriented. We don't think, Oh, we got to get this done so we can get rich and famous. It's kind of like, let's just, let's just make a good song. Let's just, you know, put on a good show. Let's just be as good of uh, a band to play with. So people, when they play with us one time, they'll, they'll want to play with us a second, third and fourth time. Uh, like we're not, we're not goal oriented. We're kind of just process oriented. What's next for you for trophies? Um, well, the EPs for us is done and we're re-recording our first album because Ben is back. And we're like halfway done recording our fourth album, uh, Hanged, Drawn, and Quartered. And we've, we've sort of settled into this cause, uh, like Goes Nowhere Does Nothing was, I mean, everybody was like, oh, it's a concept album. But I, when we were writing it, I didn't even think about it. 
uh, it was someone made a, a joke about um, Captain Kirk and Trump having sort of like the same hair. And we, we sort of just ran with the concept of like Trump being a Starfleet captain. Um, so, so now we're kind of doing the same thing with the fourth album, but it's, we're, we're playing off the idea of, cause, cause I have a history degree. So I know sort of how the geopolitical world is structured with this, like certain countries have more power because of colonial, colonialism and there's a, a philosopher from Africa who coined the term necropolitics. So the whole album is about necropolitics, about, you know, one person having the power to decide the fate of people sort of arbitrarily. So it's it's another big concept that we're running with for a whole album. I kind of think most albums have a concept behind them. You don't, you kind of don't, even maybe realize it sometimes until maybe you stepped away from it a little bit and listen to it with fresh ears. I think most albums tell a story, not maybe not intentional, yeah. not, not like the wall or like Tom, you know, the rock operas and stuff, but most albums have some kind of a concept behind them. I find the writing process so much like goes nowhere, does nothing was so much easier to write knowing the story that we were trying to tell with it where, okay, it's it's sort of like a time loop. They get a distress signal. They go find the distress signal. Oh, shit, it's actually us. We sent the distress signal in a time loop, and we've sent ourselves here. Like, it's, it's, it's easier to go in with the concept of what you're telling, like sort of a, you know, a, a Greek tragedy. Like, these people know that they're going to fuck themselves up. And it it it's just... Because the lyrics are always the last thing I do in a song. Like, we work out the bass and drums, and then the guitar, and then the vocal melody, and then the lyrics are always the last thing. So once we have the the, the eight songs in order, like there's a good flow, then you go in and, and put the lyrics. But the lyrics are always the last because they're usually the easiest. And once you have the whole story for the album, it it – you know, the, there's there's rarely any rewrites doing the lyrics. Who who uh, who do you root for? <laughs> like in, like in music, like in in or, what? Oh, or like football, baseball. Well, I grew up uh, a Notre Dame fan, and then I started playing and coaching football, and then you kind of end up rooting for coaches. But when the pandemic hit, I kind of, like, I kind of fell out of everything. Like, I haven't watched any sports since the pandemic hit because I've just been mad at all of the leagues for, like, especially the NCAA for making all these kids, like, get COVID so they can play these games. Because, like, there's, like, a third of the people that get COVID get blood clots. So there's all these college kids with, like, lifelong health issues now because their colleges needed an extra couple million dollars from fucking ticket sales. So I've just been kind of mad at sports. I, I've like completely disarmed you with my answer, but I'm just, I'm just being honest. In New Jersey, you kind of get a little bit of everything. Like we have Eagles, Giants, Yankees, Devils, Flyers, like every, like everybody's kind of represented. The only, the only people who get like shitted on are Cowboys fans. 
<laughs> um, like if you wear Cowboys gear, like anywhere in New Jersey, anywhere near Philly, or anywhere near anywhere near New York, like they're just gonna roast you. They are going to fucking publicly flay you alive with insults. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to bring up? Um, I mean, we have because uh, we're we, we sort of operate like at cost, so we have a pre-order going on right now with our Bandcamp, and it's forty bucks, but you get a ton of shit with it. Um, you get a T-shirt. Uh, with our Troll Teeth logo. It's very colorful. Uh, it's also the logo that's going to be on Kyle's drum head, uh, his kick drum. Um, a t-shirt, you get these three 11 by 17 posters, uh, two Troll Teeth guitar picks, a couple stickers, and then the music that you're getting with it. You're getting the EP that's whenever that's coming out, June, hopefully. And then the two albums, the physical and digital copies of uh, Unwanted and Worthless, the redo that we're doing and hang drawn and quartered and then also a digital version of goes nowhere does nothing uh if you had not already bought it so you get a ton of shit for 40 bucks yeah you do <laughs> yeah because you are we didn't yeah we didn't expect to, to sell as many um versions of goes nowhere does nothing but we all the money that we made from it we just put it into merch and we're like oh well fuck it why not just like put together like a box that you know people can buy like we've sold seven our goal is hopefully a hundred so i think once we release the ep people are going to hear okay this band's consistent because you jump from one album to the next like it get like unwanted and worthless and bullet alive like okay once you could see the progression and then you go from bullet alive to goes nowhere does nothing it's like another jump forward I think once people hear the EP, they're like, okay, this is going to be more like Goes Nowhere, It Does Nothing. And they can sort of project out, like, okay, the two albums are going to be, like, really good. So, they're, you know, once the EP comes out, I think we're going to have a, a lot more pre-order sales. Man, you've been an awesome interview. Let me ask you something real quick. Uh, do you have a favorite corny joke? A favorite corny joke? Yeah, I have a joke of the week segment. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't, like, have a corny – I'm just kind of an asshole. Like, I just mess with people. So, like, whenever I'm at work and people are, like, talking, they'll be like, hey, can you, like, hand me this, whatever. And I'll just, like, hey, can you stop yelling? Like, this is a place of business. You you need to not have that tone with me. But I'll say, like, completely deadpan. And the first couple of times they're like, am, am I yelling? Like, they'll, like, look around confused. But then, like – three or four days doing that, everyone else around me is doing the same joke. So now everybody at work, anytime you say anything, is like, dude, stop yelling. You need to stop yelling. So I just, I, I, I infect environments with that joke.
This is Kara, the host of the Conquest of Bliss podcast, and here's your joke of the week. I went to the washroom the other day and there was this sign. It said, flush toilet paper only. And I thought, that's super weird, but I went back and flushed the toilet paper after I'd peed in the sink. That is all our time we have for now. Thank you for listening to Undergroundopolis. Remember, we do this every Wednesday night, bringing you new and exciting artists every week. Be sure to hit up their websites and social media and stream or download their music. If you like this show, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, any streaming platform, and leave us a review as well. I'm your host, Rob Lyon, signing off.